Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. It is good to worship. It is good for me to be back. Uh, me and my family were off for a few weeks, and uh, last week I got to sit where you're sitting and just worship with our church and to receive the word. Um, and I was just thanking God, you know, in my profession as a pastor, uh, when you're off for a few weeks, there's, there's two types of churches you come back to. The have-to church, because it's your job, and the get-to church. And I'm so blessed to be part of a get-to church. We were, uh, we were just thankful to be back in the house together last week, and it's good to be up here. And I hope, church, in the room, in person, and online, I hope you realize how blessed we are as a church uh, to have multiple people on our staff and in our church that can bring it, if you know what I'm saying. So can we, can we let Raph and Joy know how thankful we are that they preached. Uh, this has been a fun series for me. Um, I got to set it up, you know, feels like a long time ago, choosing to see. And then they kind of walk through each uh, different person in this story of Esther and and we call this series Choosing to See, and we're going to unpack that today. But, but today's kind of the finale of, of the series. We'll start a new series uh, next week, which I won't get into now. But if you follow us online and social media, you'll see some of that coming this week. Um, but today, uh, we're going to, like, what does Esther, if you've been with us, if you haven't been with us, um, you're with us today, and we're thankful for that. We'll catch you up. Uh, but I'm not going to walk through back the whole story, but, it, but the story of Esther in the Old Testament uh, we've tried to key in on this craziness that it's, God is not mentioned by name at all. And it's kind of a crazy story. And if you're in our small groups, if you've been around, you've, you kind of know the story by now, we hope. But what does that have to do with you? Right? It's, it's not like, hey, who am I in the story? Am I this character? This? It's not. Like, what does that have to do with your life? You guys, it's a Sunday, right? It's uh, some of you are trunking and tricking and treating and candying and sugar highs and all that and whatever awaits you Monday morning and at your occupation or your dorm or your school or your job. Like what does Esther and all that we've been receiving from that, what does that matter in your specific 2021 life? That's what we're about, right? We're not trying to educate you so you pass a Bible test. Like, hey, I know about Esther now. That's great, but that's not the point. The point is, what does it really mean in our everyday lives? Is the God of the universe really building his global church? And as part of that, a bunch of local churches and Relentless is a part of the movement, like we claim and say all the time, this gospel-centered, forever-focused movement. Well, today, as we close this series, we're going to talk about what we really believe is the most important thing in your life. That's bold, right? Some of you I know, some of you I know well, some of you I've never met. And I'm saying across all that, age, season of life, we're going to talk about the most important thing about your existence. How, how could I possibly know? It's nothing about me. I don't know it. It's revealed to us. And as a gospel-centered church, which means everything revolves and is centered around one thing, the gospel, we're going to look today at the gospel and Esther and how they connect, or if they connect, they do, by the way, um, if you're wondering, this definition that we use of the gospel, we say almost every week, right, this incredible news of our rescue and adoption by God through Jesus. 
right? If you were rescued physically, you would have a story to tell, right? Everybody, like you would want people to know about your rescue. Nobody would not know if they were friends with you, man, I was, I was on this boat and I was on the lake and, and a crazy thing happened and this, they came and they airlifted and I was rescued, big deal. We're, we're talking about the most important, not, the, not these temporary bodies that will disappear one day. We're talking about the rescue of your soul. Like the most important thing that ever happened in your life is what the gospel is centered on. And you're like, I don't know if the cross had anything to do with me. Like I like this Esther stuff, but I don't know if a guy dying on a cross, really like the gospel, as you open your ears and God opens your heart, something is going to tell you deep inside, this is the most important thing that exists through all languages and cultures and centuries. Humanity, humanity is in desperate need of this incredible news. So back in the day, the, the Greek word that we translate into gospel, right? It's, it's this, it comes with this, like there was an old uh, king and he was a bad king maybe and he's out of power and now there's a new king, there's a new way and the way they didn't have the internet, they didn't have billboards, they didn't have mail, they would go and they would send these people out and they would proclaim, they would herald and let everybody know, hey, we won the war. Whatever the news of the day is, right? Who won the game, uh, who got elected, whatever the news of the day, they would come and they would proclaim the news, hey, so-and-so won, so-and-so's our king. So this word gospel, it's like this incredible news, but we use incredible because good, which is the correct you know, uh, description or translation, the good news, good is like we use good for all kinds of things that just, it's kind of a word that gets overused, right? So we, we say the incredible because it's, it's, it's more than good. It's incredible news that you have been rescued, that Jesus came to rescue you and not just to rescue you, but to adopt you into his family. And that's what we are. We're going to some messed up folks. And if you've been with us for Esther, you should feel good about being messed up because it's some messed up stuff in Esther, right? The heroes in the story did some messed up stuff. It's a bunch of messed up people trying every day to receive and live and center our lives and our church life and our home life and our marriages and our families and our school around the gospel. What's the gospel? It's the news. It's the truth. It's the reality of our rescue and adoption. Here, here's a, a verse that we've started with when we started the church seven years ago. We, we, this is such a central verse, not to our churches, to the gospel. It's, it's from Romans 1, says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it, the gospel, it's the power of God for salvation, to be saved, rescued, your soul rescued for Everyone who believes, to the Jew first, it came to the Jews first, and then also to the Greek, which is everybody that's not a Jew in that context. This, the power, what's the power of God? The power of God is wrapped up in just me declaring the gospel today, and I'm going to unpack a little bit more of what we mean by rescue and adoption and connect it to Esther, and, and we're going to try to choose to see together. Just you hearing it, even if you've heard it, you know, umpteen times, it, it, is, it is the power of God, the power of God rests in the reality and the truth of what happened 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem on a cross. And what happened a few days later when a dead man was no longer dead. And that empty tomb, it's not an Easter celebration for us, it's an everyday core of our life. Here's the, the next verse after, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. 
the next verse says, for in it, it is the gospel. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is, re- is revealed from faith, for faith, as it's written, the righteous shall live by faith. Here, here's the gospel. What's this incredible news of our rescue and adoption? What does it mean? It means that for all of humanity, there's been people in our human nature trying to be righteous, Right, some people come to church of like, man, I need a little church, you know, because I want to, you know, one day maybe I might have to answer for some things and I just, I want to have the best shot I can. I want to be good. I want to be better. I want, I want to be righteous. And the, the core of the gospel is that 100% of us fail. 100% of us fail at righteousness. There's, there's a righteousness of God that is holy and pure and real. And then there's our attempt. Sometimes it's to look righteous and sometimes it's a well-intentioned, good-hearted, I'm trying to do the right thing. A hundred percent of us fail at that. Like nobody's close, right? When you're in school, when you're, you need that number to get that grade and you're like one question short, ah, Man, I should have studied. No, that's not us. We're not like, oh, almost got righteous. It's like, here's righteous and here's us, like, out of the picture. Because we're all horrible human beings. No, because we're just human beings. You can throw what adjective you want. We don't have the ability to be righteous. Isn't that great? Some of you are so stressed because you're trying to be your version of righteous. And you come in here and you think, well, this is a church. So this is where I kind of put off my righteous vibes, right? Your righteous vibes are an embarrassment to you, right? Quit trying to throw your righteous vibes because righteousness comes from God. And in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. In the power of God, it's God sending Jesus to earth to be righteous on our behalf and then die on a cross for our sins, offering you the trade. I will become your sin. I will be your guilt, even though I'm innocent and holy. I will do that. I will, I will do that, and I will then put on you my righteousness if you choose to surrender and put your faith in me. We will live by faith. So what that means is the power of God in the gospel, those of you in the room and online who have surrendered your life to Jesus, you are righteous in the eyes of God, not because of how good you are, because of how good he is. And that is the beginning of new life and the freedom and the world that we're changing day by day. How are we changing the world? Through the gospel. It's the power of God in it, the righteousness of God. So that's what we built and planted this church on us, not just us, us and a ton of churches. It's What's changed so many of our lives, it's what we pray would change our city and our state and our globe. And we just spent four weeks unpacking Esther, and this is pre-Jesus and pre-cross and pre-resurrection. So what, here, here's what we see. This is beautiful. The entire scriptures and the entire history of man is one story of a relentless God calling his people to redemption. It's in Psalms, it's in Ecclesiastes, it's in Song of Solomon, it's in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, it's in Haiti, it's in Europe, it's in Africa, it's in Wake County, North Carolina. It's in your life, 
It's the constant coming and relentlessness of a gospel that comes to rescue you from what? So you see, where, where is it in Esther? Well, tons of places, but specifically the whole story is of the Jews are gonna get wiped out and God delivers them through the uh what we called coincidences that we know are not coincidences. It's God working. Like, so, so the Jews were delivered. So now the, the gospel shows up in that in our deliverance, right? We're, we're not talking about a race getting wiped off the globe. We're talking about being delivered, not from an oppressive government, not from a King Xerxes, not from a warring faction. We're talking about being delivered from sin and death. The oppression of sin and death that wars against us. That's what we've been freed from. The upside downness of Esther, you see the gospel in that because Esther was nobody and she was never gonna be heard from and how God elevated her to this position of prominence and influence to, to use her in the deliverance of the Jewish people. We see how Haman was, was exalted himself and at the end was humbled. We see how Mordecai was nobody and then he ended up, the end of the story is he's second in command as a foreigner in Persia and all these upside down things, which comes back to what? The gospel. All of us have earned the destruction of our own souls. All of us have earned to have to pay for our lack of righteousness. But the one person who's ever ever walked the planet, walked on the same ground, walked this earth, the one holy, never sinned person is the one who chose to then receive the punishment. That's upside down that all the guilty people would be let off so that the one innocent could be punished willingly and voluntarily. And the reality of that, like that's what we got. Well, you tell me, if you're new to Relentless, like some of you are, we've been so blessed even in the craziness of the pandemic to, to meet new folks and God moving people in Google and all the ways that God's doing what he's doing. If you want to, like, what are we really selling? That's what we're selling. We're selling the gospel. We're selling that Jesus showed up to provide an upside down, the one that is righteous would give us that he who had no sin would become our sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. If you've found yourself hearing this, either from this church or other churches, and, and I've, I have to, I'm sorry to admit that I've had this thought here and there, you know, I, I start to hear somebody unpacking the gospel, right? The, the incredible news, of, okay, we've been rescued from sin, death, and hell. We've been adopted into his family, and there's a temptation, maybe, just to think, and I got, I, I've heard this. This is great. I believe this. I'm not anti-gospel. I just, I kind of wanted something new, right? And here, here's, here's how you know you need to come back to the gospel. When, when I have those emotions occasionally, maybe you have those, those thoughts of, hey, this is, uh, yeah, I got this part, right? That's when you need to revisit the, what the gospel has done in your life, in your heart. Because right, we always come back to the mercies are new every day, like we sang, right? The gospel, like we, we have to mentally return to that every single day. I have been rescued and adopted, not by my own strength, not by my own performance, not by my own goodness, because the goodness of God, there's a perfect loving Jesus that had a choice and chose to hang on the cross and receive the wrath of God so that then I could be freed up to know him and to be righteous in his eyes and to have a relationship 
relationship with him as a son or a daughter of the king and live a free, full life on this earth and the next. And if there's one thing that fires up the gospel people in the, in the world, there's one thing that fires us up, it is the gospel being proclaimed publicly for a group of people. It is the, the, the prospect of somebody who has believed in God but never trusted Jesus and then never really in, inhaled and ingested and surrendered to the gospel. There's nothing that gets gospel people more fired up than having that proclaimed yet again publicly and privately in conversations, we just always, always come back to that. Why? Because it's the power of God. So um, I want you to be incredibly honest with yourself. We're not raising hands or asking for somebody to come up to the mic today. But would you be incredibly honest with yourself of where you stand with the gospel. This, this reality that there's nothing you could ever do to undo the messed up things you've already done. And God knew that and loved you enough to send Jesus. And I'm not asking if you believe that, I'm asking if you've trusted that, right? But we've talked so many times about the difference between belief and trust. Right, believing in God gets you pretty much nowhere. It's not worthless, but it's right next to it. If, that's, if you mean the, the English version of I believe, meaning there's something out there. Trusting is where it is at. And scripture over and over again, there's all kinds of people, all kinds of people that hear this gospel. Some of them were around the disciples and saw Jesus. A lot of them were in cities and they did, there was no video of his resurrection. They believed it on faith. They heard about Jesus, gave their life to Jesus. All of them in scripture, what we see when, when you make that decision to trust Jesus with your life, baptism is the next beautiful step because it is a visualization, Jesus was on the cross, he died, he rose again, everything changed for the all of history. Baptism is your surrender. I believe that, I don't just believe that, I trust that. I'm gonna die to myself. I'm gonna trust Jesus with my life. I'm gonna stand in water, as weird as that may be in front of a, a church, a group of people. I'm gonna be baptized into Christ. I'm gonna die to myself. I no longer am in charge of my life. I'm not just believing in God, I'm trusting my my life to the God who sent Jesus to die in my place. And I'm gonna raise up as a new life, a new creation in him. We know, we know, church, for a fact, there are some within the sound of my voice and many more online that God is calling to baptism. How can you know that? Because I've been walking with some of you. you some of you have been praying about baptism for seven years. <laughs> Come on. Do you believe it with your life or do you not? My famous, you know, favorite old school corny illustration is the dude at Niagara Falls with the wheelbarrow. And he said, do you think I can get it from here to there with this wheelbarrow in the crowd? Woo, yeah, we can do it. He's like, do you really believe I can do this? Yeah, we can believe it. He's like, all right, who will get in the wheelbarrow and let me push them across? No volunteers, right? That's the difference between belief and trust. If you trust Jesus 
right? We got little kids. It's a different conversation. We have, you know, let's, how, what do they understand? We walk through that. We got a great team back there. Everybody in this room is of age, right? Our middle schoolers, high schoolers, college students, everybody in this room, do you trust God with your life? Do you believe the gospel happened? If you do, what are you waiting on? This life is short. He gave us, he didn't give us all. I wish he had sometimes. I wish we had more information, but he gave us Jesus on the cross to demonstrate his love. If you feel the power of God knocking on the door of your heart, it's God Almighty who created you. And your only step, he did all the work. Your only step is surrender. If you're ready to surrender, then you're ready to be baptized. So here's how that works in our church. We do it a lot of ways. You can always talk to me or any of our staff if you're here in the room. If you go to our website, hit connect, there's a whole baptism little form you can fill out. We can answer questions and talk to you. You do that any way you want. But you know, there's, there's only two, like we have all kinds of traditions. And when we say traditions, sometimes we get real negative. Sometimes traditions are, are good. They're just, they're just man-made. As long as we understand that God didn't say, you know, you got to wear this to go to church. But we got all kinds of traditions. You know, there's actually two ordinances or traditions, if you want to use that word. There's two things that Jesus actually gave his New Testament church. There's two things I want you to have as part of the lifeblood of the church. And it's crazy that they've lasted, right? Like think, think about something we could come up with today, like some cool handshake, the relentless handshakes, right? What are the chances anybody be doing that handshake 2,000 years from now? Or what are the chances anybody be doing that next week, right? We, there's no way. These two things that, that scriptures in the New Testament gave us have lasted over centuries and cultures and languages and all kinds of insanity. It's crazy. There's only two in the New Testament. One is baptism. Many of you have experienced the beauty of this death, this beginning. It's not the end. It's the beginning of new life. And the other is communion. And we're going to do, we have communion on this table uh, every week. And, and some of you take that before church, and you're always welcome to take it during worship. We like to do that in homes, but we like to have it available on Sundays. But today we're going to take it together right here in a few minutes. And here's why. Because as we look at Esther, and I, I, I didn't know this. I'll be honest. I didn't know this before this series. They got a whole holiday out of this story the Jewish people. Still today, in March, they'll celebrate, the, the word is Purim or Purim. I've struggled if I want to say Purim. There's two kinds of people in the world. There's Purims and there's Purims. I don't know what I am, right? But that's the name of the holiday. Jewish people will celebrate this in March. It's like, it still exists. And it's, it's simply the celebration of Esther and the deliverance of the Jewish people from Haman Thousands of years ago, 2,500 or so years ago. And we see this over, God was so good at this. Over and over when he was walking with the Israelites, he wanted them to mark things, little things with little, little ways and little celebrations and then big things and Passover and all this. And every, like, every month, there's some sort of crazy feast and celebration. He wanted them to remember, and that's what communion is. It is a marker. It is a taste and sensory and church and unifying and supernatural thing, not to remember what Esther and Mordecai pulled off for us, but to remember our deliverance from sin and death through Jesus. And he does that 
by saying Jesus the night before his death, just simply, hey, I want, he, he shows that small group, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take my body, or this bread, which represents my body, and this wine, it represents my blood, and I want you to remember me. And as the Jewish people remembered their deliverance from Haman and the Persian king, we are to remember together why we're here. Why we exist, the most important thing in our life is that we were rescued and adopted by a powerful God. He's got purpose and beauty and wonderful things, and it starts with surrender and remembering why we surrendered if you're already a follower of Jesus. So a little different than we've done this in the past. We're just going to take a few minutes. Some of you, this will be the most quiet two minutes of your week. Praise God. Right? We, we underrate and undersell quiet. There's going to be some scripture flowing on the screen. It's a scripture that just informs you or maybe reminds you of communion and what it is and what it's about. If you're not sure about Jesus, if you're not sure about communion, please feel no pressure. Uh, I would invite you to pray. Hey, if, if there's a God, I would love for you to, to show yourself to me. If that's where you're at with him, you can just pray that. Don't feel pressure to do this. But uh, if you are comfortable, then Usually we take this together as a unifying thing. Today we're just going to do it on your own. Just We're going to give you about two minutes. We're going to roll some scripture. Uh, these are under all of your chairs. So depending on how far under the chair, just steal the one in front of the person in front of you if that's easier to reach. But however you want to do it. And you peel off the top and there's a little, uh, it's barely bread, y'all. I don't even know if we can call this bread. But it is sanitary in COVID and it's easy to get to. And there's juice. So we're just going to ask you over the next two minutes Pray on your own, observe the scriptures on the screen, and then whenever, right now at the beginning or at the end of that, when I come back and, and start preaching again, what, however you want to do that, we're going to leave that up to you and God. I'm just going to remember the most important thing that's ever happened in your life, a loving God sending a real loving Jesus to die on a cross and raise from the dead. Father, we, we are just... Um, thankful and as we remember together I pray we would take that into our week and God for those in the room or online that um, that are ready not just to believe in you but to really follow you and trust you I pray you'd give them the courage give them the the wisdom and the faith to surrender and for those that are ready to be baptized into you. I pray they take action to pursue that. We thank you for Jesus and making it all possible. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So, wanted to do that together. Thank you for, I know there's some awkwardness sometimes in the silence, but it's, it's a beautiful awkwardness. We need more of that collectively and, and maybe even at home this week. But I wanted to, like I said, talk about this choosing to see as we close this series out. It's a lifestyle, right? We've talked about that all weeks. So we've talked about Esther, and, and God's not mentioned, but he's, he's working even when it's hard. We've seen, we've seen that in the story. We're trying to see that in our own lives, and Raph and Joy did a great job of weaving that in. I really want to sit in that this week of what does that look like for you to choose to see? Because it's built on something, right? So... Let's get this out of the way. This is important to talk about, um, obviously. Let's talk about our Panthers, right? 
So it is, it is not accidental. We've told you before, we're a, we're a forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement, right? We come from all kinds of different places, but we can come together. The gospel does that. It unites us. We don't have to see the world the same. It unites us and makes us a family. We, we preach that all the time. And when we talk about not nearly as important as the gospel, but secondarily as a church, we have all kinds of different allegiances to sports and teams. The one thing we can agree upon is the Carolina Panthers, right? So I preach that, and I try to, like, teach that to our team and our staff, and they don't really pick that up very well, right? So I've heard nothing about prayers for the Panthers or keep pounding like the normally we end the service, go Panthers. I've heard none of that for four weeks, and the Panthers haven't won since, right? So I don't think those things are disconnected. So we're going to rewrite the ship and get things back going today and just asking God to bless because that's what we, what we are. But, and, I, and I joke, sort of, about that. But this coach that I've used as example, and you've, you've been around, you're like, he's, the, he's done this there, and he's done this here, he's going to do it for us, and we got the right thing going, and the right this, that. Like, it's, it's all biased fandom, right? It is, it is, I want it to work, and I want it to be great, and I believe it's going to be great, but I don't know. It's, it's hope, and in some ways, it's blind hope. Some, some ways, it's, that's my team. I'm going to rock with them if we lose all of our games, but I'm trying to find a way to believe it's going to be good. Some a lot of, like, that's how they view God. Like, it's, I'm team God, I'm team Jesus, and, and man, it don't look good, but hopefully, like, it'll come through. No, it's not blind hope. The difference in your allegiance to a team that may let you down and your allegiance to God who may feel like he's letting you down. We sang that he never will, but sometimes it feels, like, what is underneath? What I don't have with the Panthers is the gospel, no matter what is happening on this earth or in your life, God still loved you enough to send Jesus to die on a cross and raise from the dead. He still won. That's never going away or changing. So we have a bedrock and a foundation. It's not blind faith. It is faith built on a resurrected Jesus. If he can handle death, he can handle your mess. But you have to choose to see it. And that's the, that's the muscle we're starting to, try to build as a church how does that what does that look like to choose to see it you know that that title I, I don't think we've told you where the title of the series came from choosing to see we called the the, the series Esther because we're super creative but underneath that is this choosing to see subtitle right that comes from a book I'll show you the the cover Right, it's a book I've referenced before. Some of you have read it. It's one of the most powerful. It's not a great like literary thing. It's it's just it's one of the most powerful things that I've ever read. And Mary Beth Chapman uses that phrase, choosing to see. If you don't know the story, it's brutal. It is brutal. It is the story of Mary Beth and her husband Stephen Curtis Chapman. It is the story of their teenage son driving home one day, pulling into their driveway and not seeing his five-year-old sister running towards the vehicle and hitting his five-year-old sister with the vehicle and her dying. We cannot imagine one of my kids accidentally hitting another one of my kids with a vehicle and, and, and not just hospital and surgery, but, but that little girl, five-year-old girl, gone? And this is not, this is not pretty reading. It's not, oh, God worked everything out. It, it, is, it is rough and raw 
and emotional. But in that, she uses the phrase, choosing to see a loving God working in the absolute worst. So we've been trying to take that phrase and allow God to show us what does it look like for our church and and specifically what does that look like for you right now? Man, I look into your eyes. We've done, even since I've preached, we've got some new lights and I can see y'all better than I used to and, and only God knows what's behind your face right now or what What's good and what's joyful and what's hopeful and what's weighing you down and what does it look like? In, we, we talk about in, when stuff's going wrong. It's not just when stuff's wrong. What does it look like to choose to see when things are going well? We like blessings. It's, you don't have to have a bad life to be around here. We got some people that are doing pretty well, right? That's a good thing. What does it look like to choose to see no matter what is going on in your life? Choosing to see a loving God at work. We're trying. We're trying in the Jones household. My family's over here. We, we got to be, we were blessed to get to go, and we went to Florida uh, a few weeks ago, and this is the first time in our history that, that we've allowed, my kids are 14, 17, and 17, that we said, hey, why don't y'all help us plan a vacation? Probably never do that again. Um, but they each, each kind of planned a day, uh, it, you know, in the parks down in Orlando. So we were in Universal, and we were drinking butter beer and Harry Potter stuff. And, and Jackson, my oldest son, who was back here drumming, he wanted uh, Disney, specifically Hollywood uh, Studios, because when we went to Disney last time, uh, eight years ago, the Star Wars stuff wasn't there. So if you didn't know, man, they built a whole Star Wars city. It's amazing, right? But it didn't exist. When we, so we wanted to go to that. It opened December of 2019. So it's really only been open a few months because right after that, the pandemic hit and they shut it all down. They've been slowly reopening it. And I didn't even know what it was, but I grew up on Star Wars. I'm not a star, like I don't go to the conventions. I'm not that guy. But I do, like I've enjoyed it and I've watched my kids enjoy it and the new stuff. So like that, that's a cool day. So, so, you know, as parents, it really doesn't matter what we like. You know, you just go with the flow and that's part of it. Um, but I was like, you know, Star Wars day is gonna be pretty cool. So we picked it on our last day because it was supposed to be the least crowds in October and midweek and everything was going to line up. Wasn't true. Uh, we get there. The line is crazy. We found out later they were debuting some sort of new pass and every genie pass. I don't know. So, so we get there at 8 something. The park opens at 9. As soon as the gates open, which you got to go and get checked and all the COVID stuff, we're beelining for this race called Rise of the Resistance. I don't even know what it is. I don't, I don't even know what I'm getting in line for. I don't know if it's a roller coaster or what. It's some sort of experience and it's going to be awesome. So the five of us, we get in line and you know they got the app and they tell you how long you're going to wait now, which that would have been good to have back when we were kids, wouldn't it? You just stand in there. You could be there for the rest of your life now like they kind of give you an idea that's a big improvement so it's a 120 minute wait which I'm like yeah that's where like that's I was expecting longer from what I'd read two hours to stand in a line to be like to get to walk through Star Wars land like yes I'm down for that so but a lot of times what you find is the 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 they actually over 
exaggerate. It doesn't take as long as it tells you it's going to take, right? And we'd experienced that earlier in the week. So I'm thinking, okay, so we're going up this line and you see the line coming back down. Most of the line is outside. Then you finally get to go in. Now you're still in line, but you at least get to look at some stuff inside, right? So we're going up the hill and then we're going to turn around and come down the hill and we're going to be in there. So like we're moving. It's great. We go up the hill. What we didn't see is there's like 18 million other lines. When you go around the corner, you got to walk through all this before you ever come back down the hill. So it's like, okay. So we go through all that. Some of us, the five of us, some of us are making most of the time more than others. We finally get into the building. So now you're just walking through these turntables back and forth, back and forth, slow walk, slow walk. And then they come on the loudspeaker. We're sorry to inconvenience you, but the ride has been delayed. And it's an automated thing. And then they go back to their playlist, whatever they're playing. Well, surely not. All right, so we still move a little bit. So, and then they, every five minutes, they keep saying that. And after the first five minutes where everything, then we don't move at all. And every five minutes, it's like, it's like just torture in your soul. Every five minutes, that same automated voice, we're sorry, but the ride has been delayed for five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. We're not moving. So me, pastor dad, I'm coming with choosing to see. So I go up to some of my kids, which will remain nameless. Hey, do you think choosing to see, like anything we might, like God might be doing, choosing to see right now as we're stuck waiting for this ride, anything he might want us like to choose to see? And, and the answer was a very swift, nope. <laughs> but then the, the kid surprised me because it wasn't a disrespectful. It was just an honest nope, but they came back with, do you? And I was like, Oh, I should have an answer to that. So let me think. I said, yes, I'm trying here. Here's what I'm doing. I'm praying. I'm praying. God hears prayers about rising. I'm praying they get this thing going. That's when I, and I said, maybe instead of being out because it's getting hot in Orlando and we've been in here from 9 to 11, whatever, maybe like just the blessing of being in the air condition as we wait instead of being outside in the, ha- in the heat, right? Or the hate, because the heat and the hate go together, right? So maybe it's just choosing to see like we're a little more comfortable than all the people behind us. Maybe, maybe this old man has been walking in these lines. Maybe God knew I just needed to sit down for a minute because we actually got to sit down in line and just sit. I said, I don't know. I'm not making stuff up. I'm trying though. I'm choosing to see, like, just hang with it. Like, there's no way. It's not even, at that point I'd read, it's not a roller coaster. It's not like something that can break and you can die on. It's not this kind of experience ride. So whatever, it's like technology. Whatever's broke, they'll get fixed. Hang with me. Let's just choose to see. And that worked, I think, for a minute or so. And then it's like, you know, the question became, how long are we going to wait? Because they came out, and this, <laughs> it wasn't a great PR move. This, this employee came out and started yelling at people about not wearing their masks. And she started to walk away, and somebody, not me, somebody was like, well, what about, can you tell us anything? And she wasn't scared. She's like, no, I have no idea. If you want to leave, here's the exit. If not, you can stay. I was like, all right. And guys, and I said, you know, in life, these kind of things if you want to guarantee this ride gets going, leave. As soon as you walk out and can't come back, it'll get going. Eventually, though, I got, I got a restless tribe here, and I was like, you know what? Here's the deal. It's almost 12 o'clock. We've been in line since 9. I said, I'm staying. 
because I don't want to do anything else in the park anyway. If this is the only thing I do all day, that's fine with me. Like, this is kind of, this is vacation, right? Air conditioned. I don't have to walk around. I'm not that hungry yet, so I'm good. I'm staying. But I don't judge you. It's not like, don't do this for me. This is Jackson's day. Everybody, you're all old enough to make your choice. So my wife, God bless her. She's been hanging in. She's like, I'm going to stay. Ten more minutes. All right? It's like, Eli's ready to go like an hour and a half ago. I'm, I want to go ride this other stuff. It's like, you can't go. So 10 minutes came, and Eli and Mia, my daughter, and my wife were like, man, we, are, we have got to get out of here. And they left, and it was me and Jackson. 10 minutes after they left, I don't even hear the announcement because people start cheering. Evidently, the announcement was we're going to get this ride going. We were about 15 minutes, we didn't know that, from the front of the line. Uh, we took a little pic, Jackson and I, that's us starting to like actually see some Star Wars stuff before the ride. And he took all kinds of video, but I don't want to ruin that for you because some of you might go ride the Rise of the Resistance. Let me just say, I was blown away. I didn't even know what I was getting into. Like they went above and beyond with this deal and it was awesome. But a part of me, and I think Jackson too, like we wish we'd have been all together, right? And I'm not mad like this. I, I, I got permission because I don't want to tell this like, you know, they stuck in for three hours, <laughs> right? And there's a lot of scenarios where that never ride and we're the ones sitting there like, man, we should have left, right? But it worked out for us, but it wasn't all of us. And, and I'm praying, we're having conversations about choosing to see in the ride. And I wasn't thinking about October 31st at that time. But as I was praying towards this message, I really felt like God was helping me see and wanting us to see. And he brought to my heart so many people in our midst, so many people in our lives that are so tempted right now to get out of line. They just don't see anything happening. It's just so empty. They're so hurt. It's too much and too long. And they're just ready to walk away from God. And the truth is, he is here. And you have to work sometimes really hard. That's why we need each other. That's why I'm sick. I haven't said this publicly. I'm saying it today. I'm sick of online church. Because we can't walk together online like we need to because sometimes I want to get out of line because I don't see Jesus doing jack in my life. And I need you to walk and encourage and carry me through my valleys just like you might need me to do the same for you. we got to be in person to do and live that. And I know we got some folks that need to stay home and we love and respect them. We're working through all that. That's not the point. The point is the lifestyle of choosing to see is hard. But man, there's an enemy that wants us to check out right before the breakthrough. He knows. I don't know how much he knows. I don't know how all that works, but I know when you're close to receiving the fruit of the pain. The Bible talks about pain and, and trials, but it talks about it will pay off, that there will be fruit from it if you hang with it. And right before that's when the temptation comes just to give up. And I think because of pandemic, I think because we haven't been together, I think because of a lot of things, there is a spiritual disease and temptation of giving up like there's never been. And that's where Jesus, gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic church shows up. So when you're stuck in a line at Disney or when you're 
thinking, I'm just going to cancel this counseling session. Or when the test that you put hours of study into comes back way lower than you ever dreamed. Or whatever and whatever. What does it look like for you to choose to see? It's not a faking. It's not a, oh, God's going to open. I didn't tell my kids, God's going to open this right up. I had no idea. I prayed that he would. Some believed, some didn't. It's not, it's, not, it's, it's not about fake choosing to see. If you will be so bold, however old you are, how it doesn't matter. You take that and you make it in your, if you would be so bold, I want to choose to see you working in whatever's going. God, God is not, like, listen, some people think God is the guy doing the ride. I'm going to see how many people I can get to leave and give up, and then I'm going to, you know, let the ride go. I got you. You should have held on. That's not who God is. He's good. He's a good God. He wants to be found. He wants to be seen. It's just a desire. It's just a decision for you to choose that. He'll show up. He'll meet you way more than halfway. Do you know how ready God is for you to see him in your life? He is so ready. He is so good. But you and I and we have to decide, I'm going to see God. I'm going to see him in the good, the bad, and the in-between. Here's how we're going to end this series. We're going to end it with the same verse we started it with five weeks ago. It's going to launch us. We pray that our series are never series. We pray that they stay in us and with us. And I think you got some praying to do as couples as families, God help us in this good season or this hard season or what, help us choose. What does that look like? To choose to see, Second Corinthians 4. Therefore, talking about the gospel is what he's just unpacked. We do not lose heart. Outwardly, yeah, we're wasting away, but inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us and eternal glory. It's real, y'all. You can't believe that Jesus rose from the dead and that eternity's not coming. They go together. We're gonna be there. It's gonna be soon. Don't get out of line. It's coming. It's achieving for us something. You will not regret it if you stay with it. It's achieving an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So what do we do, church? We fix our eyes, not on what we see, but on what we cannot see. Because what we see is not going to last. It is temporary in your life and mine. It will be over soon. But what we cannot see, this invisible good God working in everything and every day, what we can't see will be eternal and forever. Amen. Father, may we live that. May we learn, may we spend the rest of our lives choosing to see you at work in our church, in our country, in our families, in our dorms, in our careers, in our relationships. Open our eyes. We want to see. Help us not quit. We pray and go now. In Jesus' name, amen. Go Panthers. <laughs>